going on, Only Playbook fans? We are back. It's me. It's Shashot. No show of it for the first time, uh, but we are going to hold down the fort. Two weeks of football in the books. We have so much to talk about. Injuries left and right. God, RIP to Nick Chubb, one of the best to do it at the position just in the game of football. So you hate to hate to hate to see that happen. But uh, you and I, showed are here to break all of that down, talk about his injury. Mm-hmm. We'll put out an article for it, and we'll talk about who you need to pick up, what the biggest keys to all of the football games that happened this past week were from a fantasy perspective. Um, how are you feeling, man? Dude, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Week two, we have enough data now. You know, week one is just up for grabs. Like, you can get one of those, you know, what's his name? The dude that caught three touchdowns for the Chiefs, like in 2018, what's his name? Oh uh, Watson, Watkins, Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins, oh, Sammy Watkins. Yeah, you know, you always have one of those random things going on. And I thought Kyron Williams was that guy, but look at that dude. now. Look at that now. We'll we'll talk more about him later in the game. But yeah, week two, we have enough sample size. Week four, like I always say, is like when things unravel and you've been asleep for the first month, and you're going to be in a hole early. So keep this going. Keep gather the data for the first four weeks and we're halfway there. Yeah, man, I, I'm totally with you. Like week one is such an easy time to overreact, but then you get week two and some things that you overreacted to completely correct themselves and some things don't. So it's a lot easier to try to gauge trends and like just what you think is going to happen with twice the amount of sample size, right? Versus just one mm-hmm. week. So uh, a lot to talk about. Shashot, I want to jump real quickly into a quick game. I was just going through fantasy numbers, uh, seeing because two weeks in, it feels like this year has been a little, little wonky in terms of players producing and players not producing. So what I did was mm-hmm. I just put the top five current fantasy players at every position. And then I have Ooh. also a quick game. I want to play with you. I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine quarterbacks that have scored more fantasy, but that scored more fantasy points than Deshaun Watson this past season. And wow. or not this past season, sorry, this week, this past week. Um, and I want you to name these quarterbacks or name as many quarterbacks as you can. Um, but if you can, it's totally fine. I'll fill in the blanks. It's just hilarious to hear some of these okay. names. So nine quarterbacks who scored more points than Deshaun. It wasn't only nine. There was a lot more, but these nine names stand out as like, oh my God, do we sound the alarm with Deshaun? So nine players, nine quarterbacks that you think scored more points than Deshaun Watson this past week. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Easy. He did. He did, but he's QB one. So that's fine. Yep. Um, Love. Love's been playing kind of lights out. So I've been keeping an eye out for that. Yep. Um, Some of the players that I was, uh, Justin Herbert did pretty well. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Herbert did well. Um, dude, why am I blanking? Let me just go down the division. Let's start with Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes. So you no. know why you're you know why you're blanking? Because pretty much all of the top tier quarterbacks have played like absolute shit. So like uh-huh. think think of think of all bad quarterbacks. Like think of the worst quarterback in the NFL right now and start naming them. Yeah. Geno Smith. Geno Geno Smith has outscored him, absolutely. Um, worst quarterbacks in the league? Uh yeah. Justin Fields. Mac Jones. Mac Jones has outscored him. Um, jo- Josh Dobbs. Sam Howell. Uh, Sam, yep. Sam Howell. Josh maybe. Dobbs. Bryce Young. Bryce wow. Young. CJ Stroud. Wow. Desmond Ritter. Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Like these are all of the names that scored yeah. more fantasy points wow. than Deshaun Watson in week two. And I know we'll talk more about Deshaun Watson when we get to that matchup, but those names, if you told me two weeks in have more fantasy points than Deshaun Watson, I would have thought you were absolutely crazy. So uh, right. just really interesting. And I don't want to spend too much time on this top five quarterbacks in fantasy so far, Kirk Cousins, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes top five running backs, CMC. Kyron Williams, 
Brian Robinson, Tony Pollard, and Raheem Mostert. Two out of five, never would have thought. Top wow. five wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, obvious. Mike Evans, which I hate that show if it's not on this episode. Mike <laughs> Evans is wide receiver two. Puka uh, Nakua Cup is wide yeah. receiver three. Justin Jefferson. Justin four. Jefferson. And uh, number five. Do you know? Dude, is it is it an old guy or a new guy? Old guy. Old guy. Yes. He, Ke- Keenan Allen. There it is. Keenan Allen <laughs> is number five. Number top five tight ends. Number one tight end is your guy. Yep. Hawkinson. Huge on Hawkinson this year. Um, I honestly, I don't think I can name anybody else. Dude. I really don't. Number two is Hunter Henry. Oh shit. Travis Kelsey from that one touchdown probably put him up there. He's no? not top five. Nope. Cause he didn't play week one. Number three is Evan Ingram. Uh, oh, uh, Hayden Hirsch. Maybe he had a Hayden. pretty, he had no. a good week one, but not top five. Number four is Darren, Darren Waller. Waller. Yes. Right. Darren Waller's I, four. I, and number dude, five, I have no fucking idea. Logan Thomas. Logan wow. Thomas. So he, yeah, he, got, he took a concussion for that. I mean, dude, this is insane. Like quarterbacks, no Hertz, no Allen, no uh-huh. Burrow, right? Those no Lamar. Those guys aren't there. Running backs, no Eckler, no Eckler, no uh, no Bijan, no Barkley right now. Wide receivers, you know, all those st- like again, the list goes on and on. It's crazy. Two weeks overreaction a little bit, but also there are trends like we were talking about that we are going to discuss just quick little exercise. I thought that was really, really intriguing two weeks yeah. in, but without further ado, Shisho, let's kick it into the game's first game on the board was our Vikings on Thursday night football against the Eagles. Eagles win 34, 28 at home. The uh, spread was six points. So there was a push over was 45 or 49 and a half, which came in handedly Shisho, What was your biggest takeaway from this game? Uh, the biggest takeaway is that the Eagles played pretty eh in the first half, and they still won this game, and that's mainly because of turnovers. Uh, Eagles have been playing pretty eh most of the season so far, and they're still winning. That's just scary for the league. You know, they've been grinding out these wins, and and that's with Devontae um, Smith doing most of the damage. A.J. Brown really hasn't done much. Uh, but that's my point right here, is that A.J. Brown owners don't be afraid, okay? This is a team that can sustain both because there's nobody else. It's Goddard, A.J. Brown, and Smith. And a heavy dose of running. And I think this is the lowest A.J. Brown will be probably all season long, even if there's another week with Devontae Smith going off. I had mentioned during mock draft early in the year, Devontae Smith is not to be slept on. I I was able to get him as my flex, bro. That is insane because he's going to end up in the top 15 probably at this pace. Just He's a well-rounded quarter, uh, wide receiver. Some cornerbacks have talked about him being one of the best in the league if he was in a t- standalone team. So that just means A.J. Brown is going to eat because someone they're going to have to guard Devontae Smith. They're going to have to guard A.J. Brown. It's going to be a split situation, but there's enough targets for just two people. So don't be afraid, A.J. Brown owners. If you can buy him low, I'd, I'd go grab that. Yeah, I mean, I if you if you went down the chain, one of the offers for Mostert that was AJ Brown. AJ Brown, the guy who had AJ Brown, really worried. Obviously, uh, hasn't had the production the first two weeks. So buy low candidate, big time. Which again, it's AJ Brown. He's drafted. He was drafted top ten in most fantasy football leagues. So uh, at some point, that, that is going to correct itself, and he's going to find the end zone yeah. with his big bombs. My biggest takeaway: it's not super surprising. I mean, real quick, I think right now with the way the Minnesota Vikings are structured. Kirk Cousins, uh, Justin Jefferson, even Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson, to me, you are automatically throwing those guys in your lineup. I don't care who you have. I don't care about the situation because the defense can't necessarily stop anybody. And we are having so much trouble running the football that I think we're just going to have to lean that much heavier into the passing game. Now, now, side note, right before we recorded, somebody just got traded to the Vikings and it was none other than Cameron Akers. So um, with the inefficiencies and the run blocking and Madison not running all that well, I don't know that Akers is going to have that much more success behind this atrocious offensive line, but we did also sign guard Dalton Reisner. So there is, there are yeah. player, there are things, there are moves that are being made mid season 
for this team because we are yeah. in a win now window. So I'm very, very happy about that. But I think for me, Justin Jefferson, you drafted him number one overall through two weeks. Mm -hmm. He hasn't got into the end zone, but he was a wide receiver, eight finisher and wide receiver and seven finisher. So in terms of consistency, no other receiver in all of fantasy football this year has finished in the top 10 that close to each other in back-to-back -back weeks. So if you want to draft the number one guy, you expect consistency and outside of finding the end zone, he's been that guy for you. So uh, pretty happy there. Yeah, agreed. Last point, and then we'll move on to the next uh, game. Um, the only thing I want to say is we've been waiting for this Vikings offense pretty much our whole lives. We've been wanting, since Peterson, decline of Peterson years, we were like, stop running the ball. Well, here we go. We stopped running the ball. Our quarterback is top in the league right now as far as passing goes. Almost every stat. You know, this is what we asked for, and now we're getting it. We just have to deal with the checkdowns because that, instead of running the ball, we're running the ball by throwing the ball to the fullback, running the ball by throwing the ball to the tight end. It's setting up bigger plays, and it's working so far. We just can't turn the ball over. This would be a whole different situation if we didn't turn the ball over seven times in two games. You can't have seven turnovers in eight quarters of football and expect to win. That's just in yeah. insane. But like we also say, that many turnovers, it's just not sustainable. At least we hope. Like the Vikings yeah. are notorious yeah. for breaking stupid records, so don't let this be one. But yeah, you can't <laughs> you can't turn the ball over once per quarter and expect to win. No. First game on Sunday, the Atlanta Falcons were hosting the Green Bay Packers in a surprising victory, man. The Falcons, watch out, 25-24 final. They win the game. They were favored by three, so Green Bay covers the dog spread over 40 and a half caches. For me... Here is my biggest takeaway here. Drop Kyle Pitts. We talked about it. We talked about it last week. We even talked about dropping Drake London. I know he had a good game, and I know you'll talk about that. But for me, the thing with Kyle Pitts is, man, he's talented. They just don't know how to use him. You, you, you can't have him on the field and then target John o. Smith more. You can't have John o. Smith playing more snaps and target John o. Smith more. John o. Smith is a serviceable tight end that is just, you know, going to be available in free agency, even for NFL teams. Kyle Pitts, you drafted top 10 overall. So like what, what is going on here with this offense? And quite frankly, I'm worried that because of the success of the running game, they're 2-0. You think Arthur Smith cares how they're winning the game? No, they just want to win football games. If that means Kyle Pitts is going to have no targets, if that means Drake London week one is going to have one target and they're going to win, I'm pretty convinced that they don't care and they're just about winning. And how much better did Bijan look week one, week two versus week one? So uh, I think Dude. they're going to continue to lean that much heavier into the running game. So that was for my biggest takeaway. Kyle Pitts, there's flyers and stashers and randos on the tight end free yeah. agency pool that I would yeah. take over Kyle Pitts right now. I just, just quite frankly, L Laporta windows closed. I am so sorry. Yep. If, if people didn't jump on that wagon, it's too late. He's going to end up being top five tight end. It's just going to happen. Um, on that, on the, uh, uh, Pitts note real quick. I've never seen a player have a serious knee injury or a lower leg injury and miss a lot of the year last year. And then not play in training camp, not play in preseason or barely do anything, and then come out firing, right? The people that drafted him as like a huge, like a top-tier tight end, you messed up, dude. You should have known this. That has never happened in the history of football. Nobody misses a, with, a game with injury, doesn't play in preseason, doesn't get time in training camp, and then all of a sudden you expect big things to happen. That's why John Smith is getting half the share of the work. It's going to take until week five, week six for uh, Pitts to do his damage. And by then you're halfway through the season. You're already taking L's on the tight end spot time to move on. Or if you can trade for a low tier, like a backup running back of some sort, you know, um, be my guest, but you're not going to win games with Kyle Pitts up against some of the better players in your league. Yeah, no, spot on, spot on. What about you? Uh, on me, for me, it's Drake London. I can't smash this point enough. This is your time to trade him. You got the green light. 
He had he scraped up a touchdown on a play that wasn't even designed for him, the, made by Ritter. He just kind of extended the play a little bit longer. Couldn't find the number one guy. Went to Drake London and scored a touchdown on an easy touchdown. That's not going to happen often. He may get up to eight touchdowns this year, but the opportunity is just not there. This is a team that runs 45 times a game and only throws 32 times. We're talking like this is the stats you get from like 2000s football. Like we're talking the Ravens of 2000 type of shit. And you want you want to get the number one wide receiver on that team, man. You're gonna be you're gonna be pissed off a lot of the times. And they were trailing by two scores in the second half, and they still ran the ball. So I would think you know with this touchdown situation uh, with uh, Drake London just had, try to trade for a Godwin or a Mike Williams. Those players aren't getting the love. I'll talk a little bit more about Godwin later, but go get them. They're available. They are getting overshadowed by other people in the in their teams, and I will guarantee you by the end of this year they're both going to have more points than drake london yeah could not could not agree more the buffalo bills hosted the las vegas raiders in buffalo in an annihilation 38 to 10 buffalo covers a seven and a half point spread another over 47 caches shashot talk to me about baby dalvin Dude, Baby Dalvin, I haven't even seen that tweet yet, but I'm just making it a thing now. Uh, Baby Dalvin, and you didn't know James Dalvin Cook is his name, and then his yep. brother's name is Dalvin, Dalvin James, James Cook. Cook. And they play just the same. It's crazy. I see Dalvin when I see uh, Baby Dalvin. It's crazy. 123 yards and 17 carries, 36 yards and four receptions. We were all worried a little bit early in the game because they kept using uh, multiple backs. But then I realized that's because they were moving the ball so well. They were getting in the red zone. And it's clear he's not going to be getting red zone work. That is a serious worry. But if you're getting RB1 numbers with no usage in goal line, they clearly like him. They're going to feed him the ball, and he's getting a lot of pass catching. Yes. And this is all due to uh, Dalvin. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Diggs. You know, being that threat that he is, safeties always have to overshadow that area. And you have Josh Allen just taking defensive ends with him everywhere he runs. That creates holes in the middle of the field. And Dalvin Cook, James Dalvin Cook, is taking advantage of this. And I don't see them shying away from him because the two backs that they have behind him have been perennial goal line backs. So. Um, forget goal line touchdowns. I'm just going to assume he's going to get 25 yard rushes for touchdowns now. And that's the best case scenario for touchdowns. But even then getting five catches a game or five, six targets a game and being very efficient running the ball. He's a solid RB two. Uh, and right now he's RB 12 for the year, which is RB one numbers. Yeah, I, th I think you're spot on. My, my The biggest reason I love James Cook is because the way this offense is playing this year. I was We were talking about in the group chat week one, you know, Josh Allen throwing those four interceptions, right? Allen's biggest problem is, again, the, the, the way Mahomes was able to adjust whenever teams started playing too high and Mahomes wasn't able to just throw bombs to Tyreek Hill and he had to take what the defense gave him. That's what they're trying to do with Josh Allen, right? That's what they want Josh Allen to do is dink and dunk it to, Nossin, to Dawson Knox, to Dalton Kincaid, and now James Cook. And James Cook is a great pass catcher. He's so fluid with cast, uh, catching the football. And like you said, he's getting like five targets receptions a game right now through two weeks. So I think the more Josh Allen gets comfortable running this type of offense, the more it's going to work to Dalton Kincaid and specifically James Cook. So again, you're seeing the teeter-tottering of last week, Diggs went off. And don't get me wrong, Diggs is still the wide receiver one. He's going to get his, uh, or two weeks ago. And then last week, Gabe Davis went off. So Gabe Davis is the boomer bust. Diggs still is pretty consistent, but I'm telling you, the uptick in targets that Kincaid and Cook are seeing is a is kind of a design of the way defenses are playing, where they're like, Josh Allen, you're not going to beat us with 75 yard bombs to Gabe Davis. Mm -hmm. We're going to force you to like, you know, dink and dunk yeah. it down the down the field to win. And again, is Allen going to continue to have that patience from a football perspective? We don't care. From a fantasy owner perspective, as right. a James Cook owner, that you are, that right. is music to your ears, man.
Um, my biggest takeaway, Josh Jacobs through two games has 28 carries for a total of 46 rushing yards. That's a monstrous 1.6 yards a clip. And he is third in the NFL in rushing attempts inside the 10 yard line. So, you know, glass half full glass half empty, right? Josh Jacobs last year, rushing leader. I was shitting on him all season because of how bad he was the year before. He proved me wrong. All of a sudden this year, he looks like he doesn't know how to run the football again. <laughs> is it the offensive line? Is it just, you know, he he, he got the one hit one year wonder uh, to kind of put his name back on the map. But it doesn't matter what it is for fantasy perspective, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's his inefficiencies, like he looks atrocious running the football. Now, the saving grace is he's getting a shit ton of targets in the pass catching. So it is making him just salvageable in fantasy. I'm still personally leaning towards if people are low on Jacobs, you still have a buy low opportunity. I don't love, love, love the upside based on where he's getting drafted. So take that with a grain of salt. Somebody's selling Jacobs right now. You could buy him and you could be like, I'm buying the name Josh Jacobs, a rushing leader. But what we know is the rushing leader from the previous year typically never finishes inside the top 12 running backs the next year. So again, never. That number just sticks with you. And that's why I am fearful of Josh Jacobs. But again, saving grace, number three in the NFL in rushing touches inside the 10 yard line. So there's nobody else getting the goal line touches. Eventually, maybe he'll regress and get those touchdowns. For sure. Volume is still king, right? So we'll see what happens. Cincinnati looks atrocious. They hosted the Ravens this week. Ravens win on the road 27 to 24, cover the three and a half point spread. Another over 45 caches. Shashot, what is going on with this Ravens defense? Dude, Ravens defense is probably the best part of the Ravens right now. And it's and they're going so under the radar under the radar because they're allowing a good amount of points, but that's because the offense is just stalling all the time. I mean, Justin Justin Tucker's missing field goals, right? Like that that should tell you something about the juju going around on them. But you know what? They added Roquan Smith last year on this uh team and the Ravens D all of a sudden, they went from having shitty secondary to now first in yards per rush first in yards per play, first in defensive EPA. The only other team that is close to them that's under them by 0.5 points, I think it's like seven versus uh, the Ravens 7.5, is San Francisco. San Francisco defense is not playing as well as the Ravens defense. So that's it's just something to keep track of. You know, they've been playing uh, pretty serviceable teams. They're not the worst. The Bengals we thought would come back and, you know, take the next step. It looks like Burrow's leg is still kind of a, a factor there. Um, but the, the Ravens D is doing enough for me to be like, let's keep an eye out for this. Let's look at the schedule. If you're one of those players that stacks two defenses, look at the weaker defenses they're going to play and they're going to feast because first in yards per rush is no joke. That is how you win a defensive matchups. And if you're just allowing first in yards per play and first in uh, yards per rush, those are good numbers you're going to get from your defense. Yeah. And, and, and let's, it's two weeks, right? They obviously play the yeah. Bengals. So that's not a slouch. That's one of the best offenses in football. I know Joe Burrow's hurt. I know they're kind of in a funk figuring things out in week one. I believe they beat the Texans, which to use to people seems like a dumpster fire. The Texans, CJ Stroud is like the fourth most passing yard in the NFL right now, right? So they are also no slouch with moving the football. So I will say that that is a testament to the Ravens D because how leaky were they last year? A once formidable team, like the Ravens have always notoriously been known for at least they have their defense. And last year, Jamar Chase was just like making them look so silly. So it is nice to see them completely take that turn because now with the offense that they're running with Lamar Jackson and it's opening things up, Zay Flowers, stuff like that. If that defense becomes even like remotely, like middle of the pack, but let alone formidable. I mean, Ravens Super Bowl run is in the cards. 
Speaking of the Ravens, their running back situation is a little bit dicey. It was Gus Edwards versus Justice Hill this week. Interesting enough, Gus Edwards had outproduced Justice Hill. 10 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown to Hill's 11 carries, 41 yards, no touchdown. Hill did see three catches for 12 yards. But what's important to note about this? Two things. One, snap count-wise, Justice Hill was on the field more than Edwards. Even in rushing situations, he was on the field 11 times versus Edwards 10. Passing situations... 27 times versus Edwards 10. So total snap count 43 to 32. Edwards outperformed him. They like Hill more. Edwards is 29. Hill's 24. Edwards is like almost over the hill when it comes to a, no pun intended, over the hill, when it comes to being like an old running back. And then the you want the caveat, Hill got hurt and now they signed Kenyon Drake. So yeah. my thing is, Gus Edwards, every time where Gus Edwards seems to be RB1 or the depth chart leans Gus Edwards' time to be RB1, he's not RB1. He's a nice player, but I think, for limited touches, he's decent, but they're always going to work this like uh, dual threat. Yeah. And now with Kenyon Drake, we know Kenyon Drake can catch the football, and we know there were spurts last year where Kenyon Drake almost looked better than Josh Jacobs. So maybe he can still run the football a little bit. So I I do think that this is going to be a split carry situation. I personally don't feel great starting Gus Edwards. If I had to like start one of them, like gun to my head, I probably would start Kenyon Drake just because he's got the passing down upside. Uh, but I don't know, man. Ravens running back field, I I kind of want no part of. I don't know if you have thoughts there. Yeah, just no part of Just scrap it up, throw it away. I would rather start a backup on a different team than worry about the situation right now. Uh, we'll Again, you know, week four, we'll understand what they're trying to do. But right now, I don't even know if they're – I don't even know if they know what they're trying to do. They have too many injuries. They have a lot of injuries on the offensive line and even on the defensive secondary end. But defense is kind of putting things together because they have Ray, Roquan Smith. Uh, but the offense is still looking a little weird. Let's see if they'll pick up the slack uh, here next week. Yeah, two teams that were in an absolute shootout. The Seahawks traveled to Detroit to take the 1-0 Lions coming off the first game of the season victory over the defending Super Bowl champs. Didn't work out the same way for them here. Seahawks win on the road in overtime, 37-31. They were the four-and-a-half-point dogs. They win outright over 47 hits. I think that's every game that the over has cashed. Uh, mm -hmm. Over correction to last week where it was like every game the under cashed. Yeah. For me, the biggest takeaway here is, in all honesty, you start every opposing player you can against the Seattle Seahawks. And contrary to how they played week one against the Kansas City Chiefs and, the, and their defense, I still do not fear the Lions defense, okay? The Lions defense is the same defense, granted a couple of pieces here and there. That was absolutely atrocious last year. That's why Jared Goff at home was a machine because they would just be in yeah. shootouts with every team. And I don't see much change. Yes, Aiden Hutchinson's in another year. He's probably going to take another step. But outside of that, like their secondary is still leaky. They're still giving up chunk plays. Geno Smith looked I mean, like Geno Smith last year, let's not take take anything away from him. He's, he was a good quarterback last year. So he looked really good after that week one abysmal performance. So for me, my biggest takeaway from fantasy right now, if you have matchups against Seahawks or against the Lions, you're probably deploying all of those players. Yeah, and to add to that, uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson is hurt now, and so is Tariq Woolen. So those are both the best players on their respective teams on the, in the secondary. Um, another point, just to kind of hammer home, Gibbs – and the concept of this Lions backfield. I think I've figured this out. I think I know what they're doing, and I think they're not going to move away from the strategy, but they like pounding the middle of the field. I actually looked at some numbers. Uh, I'm having a hard time pulling that up, but basically all of Gibbs' success plays have been outside the tackles, okay? Either they drop lot, uh, running plays outside the tackles or he's doing a motion and they throw it to him outside the tackle or he's lining up outside the tackle. No place that Gibbs has ran up the middle has 
resulted in more than six yards at any given point. I know it's only been two games and a lot of people probably haven't done that, but they will not run this man up the middle. So temper your expectations as far as getting a full workload, because what does that mean? They can't run every play up to the outside, right? That's just, then the defenses will stack the outside. It's just a whole mind game chess match situation. That's why they paid Montgomery because they know he's a big elusive back. He can pound, pound, pound weakened defenders while he still has the strength to move forward. That's why, um, Herbert never got the opportunity last year. That's why I was so big on Montgomery because he's one of those indestructible type of players where they will never leave the field unless they actually get hurt, right? So Gibbs is not that type of person. He's more of an elusive back that just needs that one opening and he's gone. You can't do that running up the middle and risking injury. He is a trophy wife at this point for the for the, um, for the the Lions. They, they're not going to do that to him. They're going to ease him into easier roles where he has opening so for that reason they just signed Zonovan Knight that's an interesting ad for me because they're not sold on Reynolds clearly they would have you know they wouldn't have went out there and got another player they could have just used more of their backups um that's just a situation to keep an eye out uh Zonovan Knight did okay last year for the Jets when he got the opportunity but all that being said Gibbs will get an uptick I am expecting at least 15 touches the whole world's going to be upset as hell if that doesn't happen but temporary expectations you're not getting 20 plus touches because he's not going to be doing a lot of the damage in between the tackles yeah you're absolutely right I think like you said the way Gibbs can be productive in fantasy and really good in fantasy isn't is unlike what most running backs are I mean you mm -hmm. can maybe draw the again I know these were pre-draft comps you can maybe draw the Alvin Kamara comp but even Kamara still at least was getting touches inside the tackles right yeah. now will we eventually see that maybe but like you said I think they want Gibbs to be 110% electric every time he touches the football, right? They don't want him touching the football 20 times in that 21st right. time. Uh, you know, right. Gibbs, we're not getting Gibbs the electricity. We're getting right. Gibbs just a normal player. So I think to keep him fresh, like you said, they are going to continue to do that. Um, really nice matchup this week for them. So I do expect if any, if any time it's Gibbs time to pop off finally for the first yeah. week, this could be the week for it. Uh, but like you said, temper your expectations. He's not going to be the 25 carry guy that, you know, most people think a workhorse is, but that still doesn't mean he can't be like a top 10, top 12 fantasy finisher. For sure. The Tennessee Titans win at home against the LA Chargers, who now dropped to 0-2 with Brandon Staley on the hot seat. 24-27, Titans win. They covered the 2.5-point dog spread. Another over, 45.5 caches. Shashot, what is up with the Titans? They are in trouble. Usually they have like a last resort type of a situation they lean on, which is Der usually Derrick Henry. Fourth quarter Derrick Henry, to be specific. They are not doing that. They are not feeding him as much as they should, maybe because of his health, maybe because of all the injuries adding up. Maybe he's just old. You know, there's a, there's a thought there. And they really try to go away from that and force feed their receivers week one. And it resulted in just turnovers after turnovers. Maybe, you know, maybe Hopkins isn't the guy who he used to be. It, there's a lot of trouble here. There's nothing that they can rely on. And they're basically using sharp as like a safety net, like here, do something with this ball. And he's also having trouble getting in the end zone. This is just a team that is not set up for success. We usually say this about the Titans, usually around week two, week three, all the time. So maybe we're going down that path again, and then they just kind of figure it out on defense, and that just kind of turns things in the right direction. But I'm not getting that sense this year. Things are a little bit different. You know, they don't. there's nothing to fear. Nobody's fearing anything on the Titans. Um, and I just don't know if I'm sold that there's hope for this team. What do you think? No, they, they look like they're in complete disarray. I mean, Tannehill looked a little bit better than he did week one, but I don't know if it's just me, but Tannehill definitely looks the age. Like he looks, 
he looks so much slower than I remember him looking like the way he even rolls out on like play action waggles yeah. and stuff. Like it, it just does. It looks like father time hit him and then hit him like really quickly. Right. And, yeah. and the, the fear is now you have father time perennial and Derrick Henry that it could catch up to him. Deandre Hopkins. I love Deandre Hopkins. Is it, is it a product of Tannehill getting old and that team not being good? Maybe, or is it also a product of maybe Hopkins isn't the same player again. And that's why teams passed up on him. So, are they just a collection of guys that are like past their prime that eventually they just need to like move on from with Tajay Spears, Traylon Burks, get Malik Willis in there. And that's it. Like let, they may lose, they may tank, yeah. they may be awful, but yeah. this way they at least set themselves up for next year to really rebuild and not be like eight and nine again. And then yeah. be like, what do we do with Tannehill and Henry? So uh, it is a weird conundrum for them, but Rabel's a great coach. And I just refuse, yeah. like, he, he's got that Tomlin factor where I refuse to believe that he's going to put them in a situation where they're like, let's yeah. openly lose. So that's the only fear is they are, going to still remain competitive it's just how competitive can you be with yeah. that poor poor offensive roster um flip it over to the other side the chargers mike williams had a nice resurgence 13 targets this game so uh i think there's there's a lot to like with him especially now with the kellen moore offense i think they're not just using him as a let's throw it deep to mike williams every time played yeah. kellen moore is drawing up so much more and that's what's allowing this stud keenan allen all of a sudden running deeper routes than he's been running his whole career. And he is getting open, man. He's the wide receiver five through two weeks. And I mean, Keenan Allen to me is in that same bucket, disrespected the Mike Evans, the Tyler Lockett's every year. Oh, they finished top 12. Eh, I don't really want them this year. Oh, they're going to finish top 12 again. So it's just the same known thing. When healthy, Keenan Allen is an absolute stud. So underrated. That hamstring was like the biggest bugaboo for him his whole career. Like if not for yeah. an injured hamstring, Keenan Allen might go down as like a top five most productive receivers in our generation. So yeah. uh, very, very underrated. Off to a hot start. Love the way that offense looks. But how crazy is it? She showed brand new offense looks electric. What's their record? They're still 0-2. It's Brandon <laughs> yeah. Staley, man. Brandon Staley is absolutely on the hot seat. Yeah, agreed. 100%. Oh man, ugly football in in Tampa Bay where the Buccaneers were hosting the Bears. Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield win 27 to 17. They cover the two and a half point spread. Another over cashes over 41. Shisho, where do you want to go with this game? I mean, there's there's this one main thing I need to talk about. We may be talking about the same thing, but we're going to talk about different things amongst the same topic. So Mike Evans is now number two in fantasy. Okay, number two wide receiver in fantasy, despite Godwin still seeing strong usage. We're talking, you know, they got a new offensive coordinator, uh, Dave Canales. He's legit. He's the reason Gino had the year that he had last year. And now he's like, let me see what else I can do. And he picked up Baker Mayfield, of all people. And things are looking good. He's not checked down Baker. The shoulder looks healthy. He's running for first down. One could argue he, they beat the Vikings because of Baker Mayfield's runs, getting those third down runs. Um, but the talk I'm going to have here is less on the Evans part, but on the Godwin part, he leads the Bucks with 31 and a half routes per game, which is the most on the team. All right. It's worth noting that Baker Mayfield missed Godwin on a 15 yard touchdown. He just totally missed him on that. We'd be talking about a different picture here. I am trading for Godwin at this moment. He's a solid wide receiver three. He's extremely cheap at the moment. People don't even know what's happening with Godwin right now because all the talk around Mike Evans, but this team is legit from a standpoint of uh, a good system. They like throwing to their running backs. They run only like on first down, second down. Um, they utilize all their big weapons. They're not doing anything tricky. They're just doing football how most teams want football to be played, and it's working out for them. So I think go grab Godwin right now. Yeah, I mean, 
is it too early to deem him the quarterback whisperer if he turned like a 30 something year old Gino into a top five fantasy Dude. quarterback and all of a sudden through two weeks Baker looks like we'll see. coherent, like he looks decent. Yeah. So um it is really, really interesting. I it is crazy, right? I love Godwin. We talked about we talked about both these receivers before the season started. We talked about them after week one. They're exactly who we know them to be, and that's yeah. what they continue to be. Yep. And people continue to overlook them. They continue to worry about the name Baker Mayfield. And quite frankly, it just does not matter. If anything, they're in a really nice position compared to last year because Tom Brady with his arm falling off and that offensive line being bad, almost almost might be a worse situation than through two yeah. weeks what we've seen from this from this offense. So sure. uh, I really, really like the way they're looking. I mean, Mike Evans, like you said, wide receiver. What was he? Wide receiver two uh, in two weeks. Wide receiver 13 last week. Wide receiver two finished this week. Outside of Justin Jefferson, Devontae Smith, and Puka Nakua Cooper Cup, the most consistent receiver in football finished wide receiver 13 week one, wide receiver two this week with a gap of just 11 position spots. That's Mike Evans. So again, we're going to continue to hammer home that if there's one thing you can call Mike Evans, it's goddamn consistent. Oh man, the Chiefs and the Jaguars played one of the most ugly football games of the year. I was so excited for this. Chiefs win this game 17 to 9 on the road. Jags, uh, Chiefs cover the three and a half point spread. First under on the board, under 50, absolutely crushes. Um, for me, let's talk about Travis Etienne. I want to talk about the Jaguars running back. 12 carries, 40 yards, two catches, two yards. Ugly game for him, but here's why it's encouraging. This was an ugly game for the entire offense. Tank Bigsby had some flashes last week and everyone's like, oh, whoa, wait a minute, Tank Bigsby on the show. Well, he had no recordable stats. No <laughs> stats pull up for Tank Bigsby when you look at the box score in this game. Etienne is also sixth amongst all running backs in total snaps on the field so far through two weeks with 104. So yes, does Tank's big, Tank Bigsby have some sort of a future here as the spellback, as the goal line back, as some way to use his big bruising body? Sure, but let's not write off the value that is Travis Etienne. The, I mean, when he bursts through the hole and he gets into the open space, he is electric. Nobody's catching so, him. He's so electric. It, the fear for me had always been his size, and so far that doesn't seem to be an issue. So let's continue to appreciate Travis Etienne. If there's anybody after this second week that's looking to trade him, go out and grab this guy. Agreed. I think this uh, Jaguars offense as a whole is just so underlooked for the right reasons. They're not putting up points, right? There were four potential touchdown passes that uh, Trevor Lawrence threw that the receiver caught the ball, but was out of bounds. And they were all touchdowns. All right. That's it. That, that's, that's these correct. are the stats that matter. That so matters. Yeah, that matters. Because when you look at the scoreboard at the end of the day, oh, he didn't do as good as he did last week, blah, blah, blah. But these are the things you don't see on the stat sheet, and people don't look at this stuff. But there were that's four touchdowns that the receiver caught, but the feet were out of bounds. So looking at that, you got to be more optimistic, right? Right now, statistically, without looking at that stuff, they're right next to the Bears in points scored. Am I worried? No, because of those things I just mentioned. Um, but another thing I have to mention while hyping up this team is that I am not hyping up Christian Kirk. All right. Do not forget that that 14, I don't know what that was like 14 targets or 12 targets. That is not going to happen. Usually Ridley was a little hobbled. He stepped out for a couple of plays or maybe a couple of, it may have been a whole drive. I don't know, but Zay Jones also missed significant time in this injuries. They've made it clear. Zay Jones is number two. Um, you know, take this how you want to take it. If you're super high on the Chiefs or on the Jaguars, then go ahead. You know, keep Christian Kirk on your team. He's a, he's in the free agency in a lot of teams. There will be uh, weeks where he goes off like this one. 
but the focus is clearly Ridley and he's just significantly more talented. Um, so temper your expectations. Do not start trading away Ridley if you have Kirk because he's just valued more and you can get more out of Ridley and you're like, I'm okay with Kirk. Don't do that. Uh, and the last point, I just want to make one more point instead of just one point because it's so obvious and I don't think we're, we're going to miss it. Chiefs, Pacheco. All right, Pacheco is doing so well, but the stats are lying. The stats are lying. He is one of the few running backs that had every touch inside the red zone last game. That is wow. not a Chiefs thing. Chiefs don't do that. Usually McKinnon comes in. There was no he's, McKinnon. He's like the big red zone guy, right? It's usually McKinnon right. in the red zone, yeah. Right, Pacheco handled every single touch inside the red zone when a running back needed it. So these things don't show up in the in the stat sheet and people kind of overlook that when they start picking up players or trading players. But keep in mind, Pacheco owners, I think things are looking good. I think they're trying to move towards a full-time role. Uh, we, again, need two more weeks to make that a statement. But right now, that is something on my mind because that value right there, you're going to get. You can trade away like a third string wide receiver right now if Pacheco has a bad game next week, but if there's nobody else coming in to take his job in the goal line situation, the value is still sky high. Yeah. As a Pacheco owner, that's music to my ears. So I uh, love that. Love that. Something I did not love was Anthony Richardson exiting the game early because he started off looking insane. Colts at the Houston Texans. Colts still win this game 31-20. Cover the one-point dog spread. They were one-point dogs at Houston. That's wild. Over 40 cashes, another over. For me, real quickly, I want to hit on the Texans wide receivers. First of all, super big shout-out to CJ Stroud. I think he looks phenomenal. I think yeah. like with what he's been given... In how he's playing football, I think he looks like I think he looks miles ahead of Bryce yeah, Young. He does. I think he looks really, really poised. I mean, I'd argue he looks better than some second year, third year quarterbacks right now. And does, we thought that team was literally going to have nobody, right? So, with that being said, Nico Collins has been the star, the wide receiver star there. Uh, he's been phenomenal. I think he's wide receiver six on the season so far. But this rookie, Tank Dell, came out came onto the scene week two, ran ninety five percent of routes with a twenty one percent target share, ten targets. The good thing about this is. The Texans will continue to be losing. The Texans will continue to have to throw the football. Nico Collins is a bigger bodied receiver. Tank Dell is your short gadget receiver. They can coexist. It's crazy to think before the season that we're talking about two wide receivers in the From Houston the Texans. Texans offense yeah. that can be valuable in fantasy football. Yet here we are. I know it's one week for Tank Dell. It's two weeks for Nico Collins. But again, game script, what we've seen from Stroud, those aren't lies, right? Game script isn't a lie. They're going to be losing. They're going to have to throw the yeah, football. So someone's sure. going to have to get those targets. I love those receivers. Tank Dell's probably still a free agent. I think he's worth the stash. Shisho, what was your biggest thing here? Uh, me, I'm still focusing on the running back situation for the Colts because it's a valuable spot. Uh, Zach Moss, you know, um, a lot of people picked him up after the first week uh, with knowing the in, uh, consistency in the backfield with Dion doing pretty shitty non-Dion things. And so, you know, Zach Moss is a clear-cut plug-in situation right now. We're looking at similar numbers to a Rashad White, where he is the only guy. There is nobody else. And people keep saying, watch out for the backup, but watch out for this. There is no backup. It's just Zach Moss. And um, he's getting targets. He had like four catches that game. When you have four to five catches and you're getting full rushing load, that is a RB1. That's CMC. Most, <laughs> that, that, those are RB1 numbers. The potential 
of an RB one is what fifteen rushes and five catches gets you. Not that that sounds so normal, but that doesn't happen everywhere. There's a lot of splitting going on. That's why you have to focus on the standalone running backs because even on bad teams because they mean so much. So use Zach Moss as much as you can because we've seen some Instagram stuff about uh, Taylor potentially coming back. But you know if Zach Moss is doing well, then they're going to look to trade Taylor. Yeah, I mean like. It's incredible, right? Zach Moss comes in, gets every single snap for a running back that's touching the football, which is insane. And he actually looks decent doing that. So I think that's the encouraging sign. Um, and like you said, I, I just said that's CMC. I take that back. That's not even CMC. CMC loses touches to Debo rushing. CMC sometimes loses touches yep. to Elijah Mitchell running. Austin Eckler sometimes loses touches to Joshua Kelly running, right? Those are the best players. Those are the best running backs. And now you have a rando that you're picking up in free agency that literally is just not losing a touch to a running back. If it ends up being two weeks lo- longer, like you're getting guy that's touching the football every time. So it's fantastic. My money's still on Jonathan Taylor getting traded because I, the Colts aren't going to compete. Jonathan Taylor's going to need to get paid. They're in a rebuild. Yeah. They probably don't want to pay a running back when Richardson's their quarterback and he's on a rookie scale contract. And if they're not competing this year, they can probably get like a second round pick back for Jonathan Taylor, maybe a yeah, first. For so sure. I think for there's sure. value in them trading Taylor to a contender. That could be me just as a Moss owner being optimistic, but I do love what I see from Moss just because if nobody else, like you said, if nobody else is touching the football, he could be the most inefficient running back ever. But if he's touching the football that many times, production will follow. Yeah, I've had two dreams with Jonathan Taylor, and maybe Zach Moss is going to join that dream now. <laughs> this, the, the Rams and the 49ers played a wild game in L.A. The Rams lose this one 23-30. 49ers push the seven-point spread. Another over cashes. It would it would be unfathomable for us to talk about this game and not talk about the two things that we're talking about. I love the 49ers. 49ers look great. That's not anything new. Let's not talk about the repetitiveness. Puka Nakua Cup. Had 20 targets this game against the 49ers where people are worried about whether you start this guy one week wonder, one hit wonder, 49ers is the best defense in the league. I know they were losing, blah, blah, blah. But I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care if it's 40 nothing in the first quarter. Like, let's think about the times we've seen a receiver have 20 targets. Like, I don't even think I can think of one. Did Cooper Cup have 20 targets last year? He might have. He might have in a game, maybe. maybe. But that is insanity numbers. And those are numbers that just cannot be overlooked. 35 targets to two weeks. That is 10 more targets through two weeks than Justin Jefferson and 11 more targets than Tyreek Hill. So those numbers are insanity right now. As long as you have Puka until cup comes, maybe we'll with cup there, but at least until (laughs) cup's not there, if you're not starting Puka Nakua, you are an idiot because these numbers have never been seen before. Dude, never history in the making. I don't know. You know, in sports, you have those Jeremy Lin moments. Yep. Uh, this may be one of them, but it doesn't look like it. He can catch. This dude is laying out for catches on the sidelines like he's been playing for 10 years. Um, uh, you know, there was – I did – I do my research before football starts. Yeah, as you can see on the group chat, my yeah. name is Pukachu before yeah. before the season started, right? So I had seen what was coming. You know, you see stats. You see the fan base behind him. The Rams fans were all over this guy before the game started, and that's what actually intrigued me. And that's why I was like, I'm getting this guy in the draft. But I did my draft differently, drafted freaking Lamar Jackson in the third round. So that changed everything. And I was not able to get Puka. But I love this man. Watch his high school highlights. It's actually unfreaking believable. Um, but all that being said about Puka, there is another man on the team that is equally tearing shit up with the name of Kyron Williams. You guys remember him from last year, right? We thought, you know, 
Cam Akers going to do this. Cam Akers is going to do that. But he's going to be doing that next to Kirk Cousins now. It's time for Kyron Williams' season. First Rams player ever. All right? We've been saying that twice in the last five minutes now. But for first the same Rams, team. For the same team. First Rams player ever to score touchdowns, two touchdowns on back-to-back games to start the season. They've had Marshall Falk. They've had Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. They have never done that. That's a lot of touchdowns. Most points against the San Francisco uh, 49ers by a running back in the past 28 San Francisco 49er games. That's a long time. So I don't know what to say. I don't know what to believe. There's two crazy outliers that seem like they're going to keep producing. You know, if it was like one broken play, that's one thing. But when you're getting 10 more targets than JJ and you're breaking crazy Rams records with Hall of Famers there, I don't know what to say. I am holding on to these guys. I am not, they're not even going to be trade baits for me. I got Puka dirt cheap off a free agency by doing sleazy tactics. And I'm going to, I'm never going to regret that for the rest of my life. Bro, if Puka ends up just producing this level all season, that will go down as the greatest transaction in fantasy football history like just stories will be told forever for that that's insane crazy oh man kyron williams season man here we are two players on the rams who before this season you just some people most people did not know existed or were important and now these are two of the most must-start players in fantasy football just wild oh man the new york giants were in a really really murky situation (laughs) where they were on about to be zero and two losing the cardinals on the road But they end up winning this game coming from behind 31-28 final. Arizona covers the five-point dog spread. What did I say? Another over, 39 and a half caches. Um, Shashot, I got to give you praise. This was another one you were on this preseason. Zach Ertz for the Cardinals has a 31% target share. He's averaging nine targets a game, which leads every single tight end through two weeks, man. This offense is not as ugly as I thought it was. Connor produces. Joshua Dobbs, yeah. we talked about, is putting up more fantasy points. Apparently, he can run. Who knows? Who knew that? He can do. Dude, I don't understand what's happening with this team. But what's awesome about them is they look awesome, and then they do just enough to continue to lose. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. we're going to play great, so but smart. we're going to continue to tank right at the yeah. end. So I think it's important with the tight end position being so disgusting, with top tight ends not performing like top tight ends, Zach Ertz is still a free agent, I I believe, in both of my leagues. I think in our league, Ertz is still a free agent. So, like, he is out there for the taking. It's not sexy. People are still hesitant to do it. But, again, numbers don't lie. Targets don't lie. He is leading all tight ends in targets with a 31% target share. 31%. That's over what that's over three out of every 10 passes. I don't know. How, I don't know how to do this smaller yeah, math there, four, but that's four. more than one out of every four passes going to Ertz, right? So that's insane. Go out and get him. Drop your other stupid tight end that you thought was going to be good. Who hasn't yeah. been good. Kyle Pitts, get the hell off my team. Go yeah. get Zach Ertz. For sure. For sure, man. Like that's, that's the only safety net on this team. Hollywood Brown kind of scored a touchdown. It was a sleaze ball at end of the game, kind of a thing. They're always down, but um, Zach Ertz is definitely the target to, um, focus on on this team uh on the other side of the ball danny dimes sweetheart i know you've liked him in for fantasy purposes last year same thing same things going they're going to be losing a lot of these games and that you know most quarterbacks you think like oh shit you know they're gonna they're gonna keep throwing but if they're bad quarterbacks they're gonna throw picks it's just gonna be a miserable situation well danny dimes can run he can run pretty well he runs at least five times a game minimum sometimes 10 times a game giving you 50 points uh just or sorry five points just from the 50 yards he uh ag- um what's it called uh adds up uh along with the passing which where he gives you like 250 yards minimum so you know we're talking about 18 fantasy points as the floor 
All right, we're talking about 18 fantasy points as a floor. You can't ignore stuff like that. So if you're a Deshaun Watson owner, pick up Danny Dimes. Keep him right there. Keep him right there. I was able to keep – I drafted Anthony Richardson after getting Deshaun Watson, so I am still in a, a sweet spot there. But if you are struggling from a quarterback perspective, you know, if you're just one of those, you know, just – pretty disappointed with what your situation looks like. Do not ignore Danny Dimes. Put him on there. I don't care if you're in a four-bench uh, league. You need to make room for Danny Dimes because your quarterback sucks, and he's going to continue to suck. Danny Dimes will give you a solid floor of minimum of 16 to 18 points. Speaking of Danny Dimes, I can't wait to see what he does against the Dallas Cowboys defense who looks like they are going to carry this team to the Super Bowl. I have my not Lord. seen a more terrifying defense in all of my time playing football that includes the 2001 ravens man it's two weeks i know i'm getting maybe ahead of the game but i'm terrified as a as a non-cowboys fan as a lifelong you know playing with cowboys fans hating on the cowboys all this crap dude this might be the year this defense is no (laughs) no 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 joke what's crazy is i don't want to talk about the defense i want to talk about garrett wilson garrett wilson for the jets is going to go down as one of the most disappointing draft picks uh in recent memory why because aaron Rodgers got hurt week one but what's interesting about this is per sal vetri on twitter only 42 percent of garrett wilson's targets have been catchable which is dead last in the nfl (laughs) amongst wide receivers with five plus targets he is the last lord dead last in catchable targets he's not even getting an opportunity you saw what when the ball's close to him he's got to do like a juggling act just to bring it in yeah. What's insane about that, pair that with his quarterback. Zach Wilson is, wait for it, 32nd in the NFL in quarterback accuracy through two games. Those two numbers are insane. Oh my, he didn't even play in a rain-infested game like Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson had to do, and he still last. So bad. He's just so, so oh. bad. Everything is just moving way too fast for him. He's not processing anything. He bails too quickly. His throws are just ridiculously off point. All this to say... I know most people are now on board with the fact that Garrett Wilson's season is not going to go the way it was intended to go. But with that being said, he still put up two touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. So there are folks that are be, that'll look at that and be like, Ooh, yeah. this guy's kind of nice. Oh, so, for sure. Sell high on Garrett Wilson, because one, he was a first or second round draft pick for you. You can still hold weight on that too, because he has two touchdowns in two weeks. You can still carry some weight with that for a casual player. A lot of casual players in fantasy football sell Garrett Wilson Get rid of him. There's less sexy guys like Nico Collins, who I picked up, who I would start every week over Garrett Wilson until somebody tells me not to. Because why? Names don't matter. Numbers matter. Production matters. Garrett Wilson needs to be sold. Agreed. I, I totally agree. Zach Wilson is just not who we think he is. So here's a, here's a scenario. Jets win, you know, two games, and then they lose the next three. The rest of the division still kind of wonky. Bills are, you know, maybe they're picking up the heat. I don't know. We'll see in a couple of games. Uh, Dolphins are still doing well, but they the defense is trash, so they can still lose games even by keeping up a lot of points. There's no team that's like, oh my god, look at this team right now uh, on both sides of the field. There's a there's a there's a scenario where the Vikings lose the next four games, and they're oh man, you're doing it, you're doing it, and fucking Kirk Cousins goes to the Jets and wins a fucking Super Bowl, dude. I'm telling you, there is like when we saw Rodgers go down, everybody thinks who is available because who can actually get put on this team? That's a tremendous upgrade from Zach Wilson, right? To where they're not going to be like, hey, we're ditching Zach Wilson. We have a real window to win. How many weeks is it going to take? I think the team already sees it. I think Robert Sala is just being too nice. The team sees Wilson's not the answer. How many weeks is it going to take for them to continue to maybe rack up losses in a a season where you mentioned 
it's open. The that AFC division is wide open, and so they need a quarterback, dude. Kirk Cousins in that offense, that offensive line can protect. And Andrew Wilson all of a sudden becomes number one fantasy wide receiver, dude, for sure. And Kirk's had three years of experience with a shitty offensive line. You know, he could take the damage. I think yeah. it'll be a beautiful situation. We'll see. Let's hope for everybody's sake. We can start over fresh. He can yeah. have a nice career. It'll just be. It'll benefit everybody. We'll see what yeah. happens. No, I think I think um, that's an absolute win. What what did you want to talk about fantasy wise this game? Um, just Pollard, man. I got some weird things to talk about Pollard. All right, Pollard. I wanted to leave every draft with Pollard. I got him in no leagues. I just couldn't. The, the hype was too much. I couldn't get him. Um, but he leads all running backs in expected fantasy points. A stat that doesn't come up on your app for fantasy football, but the stats that we look into as your fantasy football supplier of information, it matters. All right. He may only have a yards per carry of 3.6 when in the past he had like a yards per carry of like six or something atrociously high, but that's because they're running with big leads and they know they're going to run the ball. Every team knows they're going to run the ball after the half, after halftime, because of the leads they're having, you're up by 30 points. So you know, and he also had a six-yard touchdown nullified by a penalty, and then he had two touchdowns stolen by the backup because of the huge lead. So, you know, all these stats being said, he still handles – he's had seven carries inside the five. That's two fewer than his first two years in the NFL combined, 2020, 2021 combined. He's wow. almost already there. And it was Zeke just stealing all those carries his whole life. He doesn't have that anymore. He is the favorite to lead the NFL in touchdowns from a running back perspective now that Eckler's injured. CMC is doing his thing, but we've seen from the usage perspective, Pollard is just on the field all the time. And he's on pace for 425 touches. That is the second most over the last 15 years from a running back perspective. Jesus. Dude, Pollard is so good. When Ishan took him seventh overall in our draft, I was just... My jaw, my jaw was on the floor because I thought I had a steal at the ninth spot with Pollard. Yeah. And man, that man just was one step ahead of me and Pollard looks the part already. For sure. The, the Denver Broncos don't look the part still. They were hosting the Commanders and my God, man, I want to talk about the Commanders a little bit. 35-33, they win this shootout in Denver. They cover the four-point dog spread. Surprise, surprise, another over 39 caches. Sam Howell is slinging the football, man. He looks confident. He looks like he has zero Fs given. The offense has opened up for him. He's got playmakers everywhere. Brian Robinson is running the football with ferociousness, looks as fast as he's ever looked since that gunshot. So, like, this offense is clicking, and all of a sudden, I think this this is a guy that they can corral around, right? He's, he's making some great plays. He's spreading the ball around. That's the biggest thing, and that's yeah. the biggest kind of fantasy takeaway is we we were all high on John Dodson. You know, TMC's been there for a while. When's he going to get a real quarterback? Uh, Curtis Samuel's a nice player. Gibson catches passes out of the backfield. Logan Thomas is tight end five this year. So clearly, there's a lot of players on that offense. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is Howell looks good, but Howell has done a really, really good job of facilitating the ball and distributing it everywhere, where it makes no player outside of Brian Robinson on this team, on offense, potentially startable. Like, I, 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 I would fear starting Terry McLaurin. I know where you draft him, who he is, blah, blah, blah. You want to put him in there? I don't. I don't want to put him in my lineup. I'm putting Nico Collins in my lineup over, over him, right? So, like, there, it, it's, it's a worrisome situation from a fantasy perspective. It is really encouraging that Howell is playing well. The commander's defense looks better. 33 points to Denver, probably not ideal. But if they can generate mm -hmm. more pass rush, then the, the, the future is kind of bright for them. So, Sam Howell and the lack of offensive weapons or at least one guy being the guy makes me hesitant in starting anybody in that offense outside of Brian Robinson. 
Agreed. It's just a stash and wait moment. Sam Howell's the real deal. He can run the ball. Don't forget, he ran for a touchdown in the first week. So he's got that upside. He can run really well. He ran for like over 700 yards in his most recent season in college. college so yeah. I, it might have been near 900. I don't remember. Uh, but it was a high number of yardage for a quarterback. That's He's got the legs. He'll make plays. He'll score probably three, four more touchdowns on uh, by the uh, running game. Uh, for the rest of the year so he's got a lot of upside i talked about danny dimes but sam Howell, you got to pay attention pay attention um yeah, what sorry 828 rushing yards last bam. year in college there the, you go got the smash tabs sandwich um so yeah the only thing i want to focus on this game it's pretty standard broncos suck um russell wilson needs to be not ignored you know these are the quarterbacks are our generation these are legendary dudes that had one bad year um he's kind of kind of looks like the same old russell throwing deep bombs to Future Lockett, who knows? Uh, running, he ran for 56 yards on six attempts. Doesn't look that great, but he's doing it. And the first, you know, first two weeks, not not a huge sample size, but he's what top six running uh, quarterbacks in the league yep. right now. Um, and 15 points first week, 25.9 points the second week. He's got Miami coming up. He's got Chicago coming up. <laughs> he's got, dude. There's there's points to be had this year. If you look at Russell Wilson's year, he ends the season playing the Char- Houston. Chargers, Detroit, there's one New England, the Chargers again, and then Las Vegas. Wow. So you're looking at if you're seeing like what I'm seeing, and it's a it's just a lot of green light all year long. Yeah. One real quick thing about that. Maybe, maybe the Broncos should have Marvin Mims on the field more because five that'd be smart. Five snaps, I believe. And in those five yeah. snaps, he had two catches, 116 yards and a touchdown. And he also yeah. had like a really nice punt return. And that all happened, yeah. I believe, in the first half. So I yeah. don't know what Sean Payton was doing. I don't know what they were thinking. They were hey. in a shootout the whole game. So it's not like he shouldn't have been on the field, but get Marvin Mims on the field more. Dude, agreed. I made this mistake a couple of years ago when JJ in JJ's rookie year drafted him, right? Mm-hmm. Drop, drop them week two because of the lack of usage, Fucking right? Zimmer. That that haunts me forever. And I, I have a feeling I just did that again. Dude, God, he looks electric, and there's no he other does. receiver that's doing anything. Sutton is not the guy. Nope. Judy clearly isn't being the guy. So, I don't know, man. Marvin we'll Mims season. <clears throat> Sunday night football. The Patriots and Dolphins played 24-17. The Dolphins won on the road, covered the two-point spread. Is this the first under I mentioned? Under 46 catches. Oh, yeah, wow. Um, let, let's talk about – I think we're both talking about the running game here. I yeah. will kick us off. The Dolphins running game, to me, selling high on Raheem Mostert, who I know you'll talk more about Mostert. This Dolphins running game, I was listening to the PFF podcast, uh-huh. and this is mind-blowing. They are schemed to perfection, showed Mike McDaniel, your guy, best head coach in football, maybe most fucking just the biggest brainiac possibly, right? Here's what's insane. When you have Tyreek Hill, when you have Jalen Waddle, you have two guys that are running 4-3 speed, right? Yeah. Most teams in the NFL to create a mismatch on offense against defenses, they do three wide receiver sets. Cause then you have the nickel corner who always either the, is either the shittiest cornerback. You either have a right. safety coming up or it's a linebacker, right? Automatically right. a mismatch. The dolphins say we have the two fastest receivers. We don't need we a don't third one on the field. <laughs> so we don't need a third receiver on the field. They have run the most 21 personnel so far this year, which means they're deploying an extra tight end, which is allowing which still allows most certain gang to run freely because just because you have two wide receivers doesn't automatically mean you can go single high because if you go single high and you shade Hill, Waddle scores. If you go single high and you shade Waddle, Hill scores. Why are these lanes running opening up? Because McDaniel is a genius. And now with these two tight end sets, you're blocking 
you're blocking cornerbacks because the other team, despite only having two receivers on the field, still have to put out an extra cornerback there because they need coverage skills for these receivers. It's insane what they're doing. I am mesmerized. I don't know that most hurts the reason. I think it's the scheme. And I know that when Wilson comes back in week four, maybe he gets part of that job back. But I don't think it matters who's running the football on this offense right now. They are going to succeed. Uh, agreed. 100% agreed. Mike McDaniel, as you know how much I love this guy, he's a Kyle Shanahan guy, right? And I love mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan. I think he's the best coach. But he takes Kyle Shanahan's uh, intellect and he combined it with Raiders decision making for the last 30 years. They went with pure speed everywhere. That's what the Raiders like to do, but they don't know what to yeah, do. But they were so, so you, bad with it. <laughs> so you take the, what they're trying to do and add a Kyle Shanahan mentality to it. You're unstoppable. You're right. unstoppable. And, you know, I, I'm here to tell you Mostert isn't the reason. Okay. He's not the reason. He's the third luckiest running back in 2023 so far with seven. He's, he scored 70% more than is expected. That wow. is impossible to sustain. Most people are good. If they do 30% more, we're talking 70. That's a lot of points that he wasn't supposed to have. So, you know, you can't hate on Mostert. He's an old-ass guy. He's like 31. You know, that makes me feel even older because I'm 33. But, you know, he's old. And they have – he's still running as just as fast as other guys. Don't forget, he was the fastest person in the NFL as of two years ago. Madden's only 95 or above uh, runner two years ago. But that being said, the Dolphins love to run the ball. And Mostert is the only guy right now. He's getting 73% of the running back snaps. 58% of the rushes are going straight to him. 65% of the routes run by the running back are being run by him. That is RB1 usage. That is CMC usage. These are these are numbers that are pretty obvious why these players are doing what they're doing. And when you're 70% more than expected, uh, it's impossible to sustain. And there's too many running backs behind him. This isn't, he isn't CMC. He isn't Derrick Henry. We know they're not going to rely on him. The only reason he's getting this is because Mike McDaniels loves him and he dragged his ass from San Francisco to the Dolphins as soon as he got hired as a coach. Um, you know, but Jeff Wilson's coming back and he loves Jeff Wilson a lot too. So get rid of him, get rid of Mostert. I'm a Mostert owner. I will be sending trades all day long this whole uh, Friday, Saturday, I'll be sending trades. Um, and then I'm going to try to acquire players like Alvin Kamara, who players who people are down on because he's just not there right now. And people are struggling. Their teams are struggling. They see Mostert as like a top five running back. They will gladly hit. Okay. I mean, just to paint a picture for people listening, I have Mostert. I've already traded Mostert. The trade offers I got for Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert for Calvin Ridley. Oh, my God. Raheem Mostert for A.J. Brown. Oh, my God. Like, people are so quick to cast judgment on the good and the bad. And for seasoned players such as ourselves, this is music to our ears. Now, (laughs) it's it's... Is there a world where Mostert stays the RB1 for them? Maybe, maybe, yeah. sure. Eh, maybe not, but but there is, is there a world where AJ Brown could take over wide receiver one? Absolutely. So which chance do you want to take? Yeah. Right. So to me, it's a no-brainer. And so I I I didn't end up getting the AJ Brown one. So I got Calvin Ridley, who again I'm absolutely yeah, static about sure. um giving up a guy who we don't even know the long-term trajectory. So I'm with you absolutely there. But yeah, I mean, both of us. Talking like, think about this. We just talked about the Dolphins who have Tua, who threw for like 400 yards week one, killing it. Ty- Tyree Kill, Waddle, killing it. And we just spent this game talking about the Dolphins running game. So yeah, that is a testament insane. to Mike McDaniel and this offense, and they are to not be taken lightly. Two games left. Monday night football, the Panthers and the Saints played in Carolina. Saints won this game 20 to 17. Three was the cover. It was pushed under 39 caches. 
for me, real quickly, man, it's it's tough for me to cast judgment on Bryce Young. Yes, he does not look great. But also, what is also true is I watch so I missed a lot of football this past weekend. So I watched everything afterwards. I watched the all 22 where like you watch the game from like from up above. Here. Yeah. Dude, outside of Adam Thielen, where sometimes he's just kind of like turning around and like in a zone where you yeah. can get the football to him, uh-huh. nobody can get open. Not yeah. a single player on this offense can get open. It's insane how yeah. bad their weapons are. And so For sure. I just don't know how to judge Bryce Young. I, I worry, like, here's my fear with stuff like this. When you draft somebody super high, um, there's this pressure that they have to succeed. When you don't put them in a position to succeed, even if they have all of the talent in the world, see Justin Fields, if their confidence is shaken even slightly for any reason, dude, confidence is such a freaking incredible drug that where when you have confidence, it changes so much of how you play your outlook, your perspective, but that same talent level that you have, that maybe is top five in the league. When you lose your confidence, all of a sudden you're playing like, you know, the monsters that got their talent taken. Right. So it's crazy what that can do. Bryce young coming into the NFL was one of the most poised quarterbacks, the most like insane, how calm he was in the pocket yeah. kind of guys I've ever yeah. seen. And I am seeing the absolute opposite. So like you said, this guy looks like a chicken with his head cut off because offensive line can't protect. No receiver can get open. Let's not forget the fact that the dude is absolutely tiny. So is he even seeing over the offensive line properly? Is that why he's having to roll out? Because he can't get a clear vision to see down the field. I don't know what all of it is. I have concerns, but I still think it's hard to cast judgment on Bryce Young's yeah. future because I thought he could be fantasy relevant, but it's hard when there's not a single player that's like giving him an ounce of help. For sure, for sure. He even lined up behind the wrong offensive lineman for a second, but it happens. I give him, I don't, I don't hate him for that because he was just looking, he was reading the defense. He wasn't even looking at the ball yet. So he may have adjusted, but Sanders was like, the fuck are you doing, bro? He shoved him. Um, But yeah, you know, and then DJ Chark comes back. That's the best thing that's happening for him is DJ Chark coming back. This is, I am following this team in such a negative way with all the defenses that are available that are following him. It's not his fault. He's going to scramble and get out of the way, but he's going to get me like four sacks a game. So if you have defenses and they're available against the, uh, what's it called? The Panthers follow, man, just follow along. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Any uh, any other fantasy points you want to point out? The Saints defense. I don't know if people have heard from what we've been mentioning before, but uh, they will, they, they will, they've only allowed 15 points week one, six, 17 points week two. And it just, some may say it gets easier. Some may say it gets harder, but it does not, it's very neutral. They're they're in a very comfortable area from a defensive standpoint where the offense is starting to gel up a little bit. Alvin Kamara comes back. Derek Carr will start throwing bombs a little bit more. The two receivers, they're going to get theirs. Things are looking good for the Saints. And the defense is sustaining only 15 points and 17 points. They're getting sacks. They're getting picks like crazy. They're getting fumble recoveries. And they have one of the easiest schedules, if not the easiest schedule. To get on top of that, I see I see them being dropped in like a certain percentage of leagues because they play Green Bay next. Uh, but nothing to worry about, man. They play Tampa Bay after that, New England after that, Houston, Indianapolis, Chicago, Vikings. Uh, you know, it's just the whole – I can just name you all the worst teams in the league, and that, that's the schedule the Saints have. So do not miss that opportunity. If they're dropped in your league, hold on to them. Yeah, yeah. Big, big key this this season with the Saints defense, for sure. Super easy schedule. 
Uh, doubleheader on Monday night. Next game on the board, which is not really doubleheader. They started at mid-game, which I didn't absolutely hate. Now, like when you watch football on Sundays, you're we're used to watching eight games at once. Yeah, so it felt yeah. really easy for me to just watch two games at once, to be honest with yeah. you. It's different. Don't get me wrong. I like listening to the sound for each game, so that's a little yeah. bit different. Uh, but yeah. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Steelers at home, hosted the Browns. Wild game, wild finish. Pittsburgh comes away victorious, 26-22. They covered the two-point dog spread. Another over cashes. Shashot. Your boy has arrived. Talk to the world about this man. Dude, I am telling you, we're probably at like a 38% there rate. He's like, he's a charmeleon at this moment. And he just became a charmeleon. Like, let's let's talk about it in that terms. We have yet to see the Charizard. And God, oh my God, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad for the, these defenders because this man is one of those players that you have on your team. And you just don't care about the coverage because you know he'll beat the coverage. He just has to learn more uh, fluidity, like more elusiveness to get open. But you could just toss up the ball and you don't even have to care about the openness. The Steelers just don't have an efficient enough run game to let those type of plays develop. And they just lost their most comfortable target uh, in um, what's Johnson. So, you know, Pickens has to do things that he's not used to, which may open up space for a lot of slants, a lot of those plays. And where normal players can catch those slants and, you know, die – Pickens will run over people and run past those people because he's fast and he's strong. It's like a DK Metcalf with DK Metcalf has like a, like a teenage boys mentality. Whereas George Pickens has like a grown ass man's mentality. And that's what I want from my, you know, I'm not telling you to have him as your wide receiver two. I'm not saying wide receiver one, but this is the biggest X factor in a flex position that I can think of that you can have available in any of your leagues right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, offensive or they're not rushing well. Deontay's hurt. Really nice way to say Kenny Pickett just sucks. I mean, can you imagine yeah. a quarterback for Pickens? Like, it, I just people just keep calling me a hater. I watched that entire football game. Like, easy, easy seven yard slants into Pickens. Like, throwing behind him, throwing too far ahead of him, throwing too high. Like, you have small hands. You wear gloves on those small hands. Man. Like you're not completing 50% of your passes through two games. You look the exact same as you looked last year, maybe worse. Like it's, I don't know. I'm worried. Pickens deserves better, man. Pickens deserves better. Dude. I I agree. I I had, I had Pickett as like the best quarterback coming out of that class, but little did I know that class was going to be ass. So, you know, like in, 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 um, what's it called in, um, like reflecting back at that time, he may have still been the best of that bunch. But that doesn't mean much. No, maybe Sam Howell burst onto the scene and we, you know, yeah, five years later true. we find out Howell was a real true. deal. But yeah, you're not wrong. You weren't wrong. Most of the people weren't wrong. Pickett was the most NFL ready player, right? He's come in and he didn't look like Malik Willis at least, right? So he didn't train wreck a game. His team won in spite of him this week. The defense was phenomenal. But uh, I do have my concerns. That's where my reservations with Pickens lie. But yeah, if, if in 10 targets, he's only catching four, he's going to start being the Garrett Wilson where only a certain amount of his catches are actually catchable, but yeah. he's Pickens. So if he gets open or if they throw him a 50, 50 ball, He'll one of those it. four catches can be like a 70 yard touchdown. Like it was this past week, uh, talking about quarterbacks, but on the other side, before we end the episode, Deshaun Watson, my afraid and scared meter with Deshaun Watson right now is about a seven, maybe even an eight. The more we've talked about this. Uh, about him this episode. I, I'm worried, man. I, I don't know if this is the same Deshaun Watson. He's He was relevant last week because he scrambled a touchdown in, made himself relevant. Uh, we gave him a pass for the rain. We gave him a pass all last season because he hadn't played football in three years. He had a whole off season, but like 
similar to things that Pickett is doing where some of the throws just look like, man, that just doesn't look yeah. like a good throw. That's yeah, what's happening with Watson. And that yeah. is not something that ever happened with Deshaun Watson back when he was in his heyday. So, I mean, he's only 28 years old. So you would never think that this guy's just hitting a cliff like this. Um, yeah. You would still want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but man, I am worried. I picked up Jared Goff. You talked about, you know, uh, Daniel Jones. He's on the waivers. Matt Stafford's there. So uh, Jordan Love is there. There's a lot of options. And what's funny about Jordan Love is, you know, we don't know what he's going to look like. But per Fantasy Pros, Jordan Love, after looking pretty good through two weeks for fantasy, has the fourth easiest remaining strength of schedule for opposing quarterbacks. So if you're Deshaun Watson owner, Jordan Love should be your stash because He's got upside. He can run the football and he's got an easy ass strength of schedule. Plays the Vikings defense twice. Yeah, dude. Agreed. I, I agree with 98% of that stuff. Um, dude, something just because what I've seen in the past from Watson, I am anchoring this called anchoring bias. When you believe in one thing and you just don't, you ignore all the facts in front of you. But again, last game was rain game, you know, and we can even call that the fourth preseason game for somebody that hasn't played in so long. So this could technically be his first real game. I saw flashes where I'm like, that's where my fantasy points are coming from. So I see that. I see the fantasy world being good. Um, you know, the the plays that he makes that most people don't even think of making, it's there. But you can't be sitting there face masking people, causing your, you know, it's just it's just sloppy. It's ugly. The balls are hitting the ground. I think he'll do better. I think so. And all I need is 20 fantasy points, right? If When you look at it from a play uh, perspective, he'll still run the ball. He'll get you like 40 yards running the ball. He'll get you a rushing touchdown, maybe even. He'll break free sometimes, and he'll get the ball to Cooper. And, you know, Elijah Moore, eh, I'm still kind of maybe regretting my decision on how big I was on him. But, again, small sample size. Four weeks is what I need to know to know that I made a terrible decision on Watson. I think the fantasy points are there, and I think – you know, the, the variability you'll see in Goff and Gino and Cousins and Purdy, maybe not uh, uh, Love. Love is looking a lot better than I had ever imagined. Um, but I think we'll still have a better floor with Watson just because of how good that offensive line is. And now they're going to be forced to throw more. So he's probably going to be running a little bit more too. Yep. So I have, I, have, I have some promise from that standpoint, but I'll give him two games. You get two games, you get no more because Anthony Richardson's waiting right behind you to take over. Yeah, you're you're in a really nice spot. Richardson can, for you, just chill with the concussion, come back healthy, and you give Watson the four-game leash. And at that point, you know, even if Watson's, like, average, Richardson's upside's tremendous. Like, you're probably going to be like, screw that. Like, I'm going to, if if my best yeah. game for Watson is the floor of Richardson, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, so for sure. It's, it, it is, you're right. I do see the flashes, too, for sure. Like, it, it, he's not just every play is disgusting. But I also see flashes from guys who are not good quarterbacks, and I'm just like, yeah, those are just one or two plays that look great. But I know we have a track record of him, him being, like, an elite player. So I do have that bias as well. One last point. The reason he was so good was because he was on the Texans who are trash, right? Yeah. There was a lot of fourth quarter garbage time stuff for Watson. That's where he got like two touchdowns in fourth quarters almost every week when he was like a QB five. So you got to keep that stuff in the back of my mind too. I am now refreshing my mind to look at some of the, I was like, wait a second, why is he playing like this? So you go back and look at the stats from previous years and you're seeing a lot of fourth quarter stuff, which is garbage time. He is not going to get much garbage time with this stacked uh, defense on the Browns and with serious uh, offensive line protection. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So yeah, there, there are free agents to be had in, in the quarterback position. It's a deep quarterback year. A lot of surprising quarterbacks that seem to be putting up fantasy numbers. Even if you have an uneasiness, putting them in your lineup, trust the process, trust the stats. Uh, and I think you'll be okay. That is it, man. That is the 
recap of the second week of action. A lot of fantasy takeaways, a lot of injuries. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've been putting out a lot of content. Shashot's been doing great work with injuries. Saquon Barkley's hurt. He's probably not going to play Thursday night, which, which is tomorrow, maybe today, depending yeah. on when you're listening to it. Um, so I'm sure you'll you'll talk about that in your article on Saturday. I will put out my risers and fallers for week three and beyond. So guys that you need to go out and grab, guys that maybe you need to try to sell, uh, et cetera, that article will come out tomorrow. Uh, if you're watching, you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. It helps spread the word. Leave a review if you listen to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We're the only playbook. We are going to be here all season. I am Sweetheart. That is Shashot, a.k.a. Dr. Oja. Have a fantastic week. Let's win fantasy football this week. Peace.